Welcome to the Milk and Honey with Lemon podcast. I'm your host, Lemon Price, creator of the Holy Girl Habits, wife and mama, and certified life and leadership coach who turned away from corporate life to embrace kingdom leadership. This podcast is for Christian women feeling the weight of their divine callings, grappling with doubts of their leadership abilities, and searching tirelessly for biblically grounded guidance who want to step confidently into their roles as radiant kingdom leaders. Inside, we're going to traverse from those feelings of uncertainty and overwhelming searches, moving toward firm biblical leadership, empowering you to steward your gifts and showing you that you indeed have what it takes. So sister, grab your favorite cup of coffee or tea and let's dive in together. I am so excited to have my friend Michelle Schaefer here with me today. Michelle is probably one of the most influential people in my life. Um, she has radically changed the way I feel about myself, the way I feel about my identity in Christ, the way I feel about the impact that I can have. And so I knew she was the perfect person to come on and talk about what it means to be a woman and leading in the kingdom because she has just radically transformed everything I think and feel and believe about myself. So thank you so much for being here, Michelle. I really appreciate it. Thank you for inviting me. I love you and how I'm so honored. I just feel blessed to know you. You're amazing. I just love you. She, Y'all, seriously, Michelle is incredible. I probably call her on a regular basis crying about how much she has impacted me, or I just cry on calls with her. Where Same. It's fine. It's really great. Um, it's good for you. It's cleansing. <laughs> it is good. You know, I didn't cry until I met you. Isn't that so funny? I'm not sure if that – I mean, I feel like that is a compliment, but it sounds like it's not a compliment. <laughs> It is a huge compliment because I remember uh, one of my favorite conversations we've ever had is how you were like, I cry all the time and I just prayed so much that God would take this from me. But I would see women like you and I would pray to have that relationship with you and this like deep heart connection to the creator that you seem to have. And then when I met you, it was like a light bulb turned on and (laughs) the waterworks just come and it's this beautiful, like healing thing. And so I really, and love I'm very happy about it, but yes, that, yeah. is, that is completely true. Literally decades I prayed because I would, you know, be at a Bible study or whatever. And I couldn't, I couldn't speak without, and in the beginning when I first started speaking and, and in like on the occasion of talking about God, I actually couldn't even make words come out. And I'm not this beautiful. Some people cry beautiful. Their faces look the same. They just have a crystal (laughs) tear that falls out and it's just beautiful. I am not that person. And so I I always felt very embarrassed and like it looked like I was so weak. It felt very weak. And after decades of praying, I just realized, okay, I guess he's not going to take it. So I better just actually learn to accept that that's who I am and then figure out a way to talk through it. Oh my gosh. Well, that is one of the things I love the most about you is because it helped me get to a place, right? This whole time. That's why I didn't take it from you because he knew I needed it one day. Oh, that's what it is. I'm glad. I'm glad you can have it. (laughs) Yeah. So one of the things that people always say to me when we talk about female leadership is that I'm a hardcore feminist. Women have no place in leadership whatsoever. And then they always quote Titus, two, three through five. I never get the one about women being silent in church. That hasn't come up yet, but it will now after this airs. Um, I've <laughs> now reminded them. <laughs> right. I've reminded them of this. And so I would love to know in your opinion, what does it mean to be a kingdom woman in today's culture? Yeah. It's such a, I, I, I don't actually understand why, why it's still a hot topic, to be honest with you. It seems crazy to me. But I will tell you a little bit of background. I have always been drawn to leadership. 
Um, and as a younger woman, I'll be 50 this year, but as a younger woman really wanting to get better in my leadership, I looked to find female mentors that I really respected, that I could feel aligned with, that I could relate with, and I couldn't find one. I could not find one. Either they were super masculine. Um, even today, right now in 2023, you see women that are kind of in positions of leadership and the, the majority of them are very like they cuss and they just kind of talk real hard and they're just like, get your, you know what, in gear. And I just didn't relate to that, even though I'm definitely more on the kind of aggressive, just my personality in general. I'm passionate. I can my husband always says I'm a shoot ready aim. And that's not <laughs> technically true. I'm a ready aim shoot. I just do it fast. I just go ready aim shoot. Like I don't need any prep time. But anyway, that's a different whole podcast. <laughs> um so I looked around and I just didn't see I didn't see women that I felt like, wow, I really want to grow and learn from her and be like her. And when I looked at male leadership, there was it they weren't, they were men. <laughs> they were men. They think different. They look at life different. I feel like we have equal yet different, uh, but equally powerful roles in the kingdom. So, um, and another thing for about me in particular, my background, uh, you know, a long time ago now, but I was in the beauty business for over a decade. Like I'm very girly. <laughs> I like all the things. Like I like to get dressed and put makeup on and and really like be a woman. I'm happy to be a woman. I, you know, but I'm a mother, I'm a wife. I love to make of my home nice and cozy and I love to cook and and really nurture and take care of my family. So in the world, these two things seem like opposing ideologies, right? Like to be a leader in the business world, to really, uh, you know, generate and create income, help other people to do that, um, helping to inspire and mentor people, but then also like total homemaker. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally both. I'm totally both of those things. And who who was I to look at? So that's kind of my take on, you know, as I so I just and and I I actually searched for mentors. I prayed God, like why won't why can't I find a mentor? And very very clearly I remember feeling like the Lord spoke to me and said like I'm your mentor. You don't need you don't need to look to these other people. You just need to look to me. So I really began to dive in specifically to Jesus. Um, who he uh, is and the way that he lived his life and the words that he spoke. And so first and foremost, I'll, I'll talk about Titus in a second, but I just want to say first and foremost, Jesus was the one who disrupted. You know, it was illegal for women to learn about scripture. It was illegal for women to be taught the Torah. And Jesus welcomed women into his ministry from the get, from day one. And so in the Bible, when you read, let's just talk about the like the loaves and fishes, right? It talks mm -hmm. about there was 5,000 men and women and children. They didn't even count the women because technically women weren't even allowed to be there. But Jesus welcomed women in, not only to be part of his ministry and what he did, but he welcomed them in to be taught scripture. So if he is our guiding light as believers, that alone should quiet the conversation. It doesn't, but that alone should. Oh, I love that. I just had this conversation yesterday about Mary Magdalene being one of the first disciples. And her, you know, Luke talks about her being there and other women being there in the ministry, hearing revelation and sharing the gospel with people and learning scripture. 
And they were shocked. They were like, wait, I've read the Bible cover to cover multiple times, and I never picked that up. I don't know why. There's women all throughout the Bible, specifically in the New Testament. I mean, in the Old Testament too. Absolutely in the Old Testament. But specifically, if we're going to like just look at what like the mandate that Jesus set, women were all through the New Testament. And then I, I like to point this out. You know, Jesus dies on the cross. He gets closed up in the tomb. He rises again. Who's the first person that Jesus went to that Jesus appeared before. And and I believe it was because uh, for a number of things, I think Jesus was setting a precedent first and foremost. Um, I think it was uh, a very profound thing. And when she went and told the disciples, they didn't even believe her. Yeah. So this is again, just a, a like a, a snapshot of even today. Jesus appeared to her first and foremost and said, go tell them. And they were like, no, <laughs> you're not right. No, you didn't. And that, that I think is a profound thing. I mean, he's Christ. He could have said and done whatever he wanted, gone and appeared before anybody, but he appeared before her for, first, um, Her their relationship, his trust in her, and his basically handing over authority to a woman to be the one to share the message first and foremost that he is not in the tomb. That's profound to me. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's what I'm writing my whole book about Yeah, is this very encounter and how it sets a huge precedent. And so I hear, I just hear this from people all the time is, oh, there's no place for leadership. You can't be a homemaker and, you know, run a successful business. And I love that you pointed out there's women all over the New Testament that do it. Lydia's a profound one to me, right? I don't feel like people talk about her enough, but she sold purple linen and made enough money that she had a whole house full of servants and was able to welcome, you know, Paul and everybody into her home and hold church in her home. It's powerful. And if you look at um, just uh, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, mm-hmm. um, you know, they were a huge part of Jesus' ministry and they were quite wealthy. They were a wealthy family, um, you know, and they, they weren't, they were business people. They weren't in the nobody was in the ministry that of the the Jesus core team. None of these people were in ministry before Jesus called them. And and yet, you know, he and I think this is a profound thing too. Like this whole conversation, we'll talk about leadership and women, but it could very easily roll into the conversation about money and finances too, because you know people, you know, the root of all money is the root of all evil. But but. Jesus' closest confidants in his three years of ministry, who went everywhere with him, was this wealthy family, was this wealthy group of people who traveled with him. And, you know, he he was taken well care of. Do you know what I mean? I mean, Jesus yeah. was taken well, the whole, the whole group was well taken care of. And it was this family with these two women uh, that were. I believe, if, depending on you know different commentaries that you read, I believe that they were a big part of funding um, this, the traveling and the feeding of the disciples and taking care of Jesus in that manner. I love that because that's something I'm super passionate about. Is the more money I think that women have, right? We've seen what they do with it in the Bible. The Bible tells us all over. Priscilla went and planted a church with her husband, right? Lydia opened up her home. Proverbs 31 woman had multiple streams of income and was, you know, my favorite verses because she had, you know, abundance, basically she extended out to the needy. 
and was able to care for many people. And so I, I, I never understand the conversation like, oh, well, women should just stay home and they have no business doing anything. They shouldn't speak on anything. To me, it's just absolutely wild to me. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll just share my personal opinion. I believe that from the from the beginning, from you know, when there was only Adam and Eve and God, and you know, then the enemy entered into the picture. And he, I believe that he saw the influence and the power that that God had given, the authority that he had given to women, to her woman, and from the beginning of time has worked successfully at taking away a woman's identity, taking away a woman's power. Um, you know, the most victimized demographic in all history is women, period. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter the color, doesn't matter, it's women in all of history. And it continues to be. I mean, women continue to be the most victimized demographic in the world. And, you know, women are pit against each other. They, it's a hard, they have a hard time having real friendships and relationships. I mean, there's a whole thing. And I believe it's it's the design of the enemy, knowing that, you know, there I believe that there is something very unique. Um, specifically in the way that God designed a woman um, with our ability to nurture and love. It, it's um, your mother. And the way that we love our children is such a snapshot of the way that I believe Christ loves us. I mean, your kids, they all do, they do things that are bad, whatever. But as a parent, as a mother, our ability to look through the thing that they did and see who they are at the core of their being never fails. We never want bad for our children. We never look at them and go, ha ha, now I can punish you. I mean, it's just not the thing that we do. And I believe that this relationship that we share um, with our children gives us the ability to have such an intimate understanding of who Christ is and the way that he loves us. And I'm not saying that men don't have it. I, I believe that, but I think what we have is something unique. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. I th- and I think that's why there's such a need for more leadership from women because we just do things differently. We're supposed to. Uh, by design. And you were talking about, you know, the women in the Bible when they had money, but statistically right now in the world when w- when women make money, communities change. This is a statistical fact. Um when you put when you put finances, when you put resources in the hands of women, especially women godly women, especially Christians, then the needle gets moved on uh, just the betterment of humanity, changing society, you know, uh, really helping the marginalized, uh, creating solutions. This is the, this is in our DNA um, as humans, of course, but specifically um, women. And I, that's why I believe that the fight is so hard it, within the church and and outside of it because the enemy has embedded these things like. You know, there are still places in the world where women don't have. There's still places right now where women don't have rights, um, but when women do have rights, when women do have authority, um, things shift and change. And you know, it began with us like not knowing our identity and not taking our place in authority, and then right alongside of it, you know, the enemy has worked very hard to create this the lack of identity in men and you're seeing it right now in our generation more than you've ever seen it before the term tos- toxic masculinity and really trying to take away the very thing that men are 
they are protectors, they are providers. That is, it, and to make them bad for this thing that they are, just the way that the enemy made us bad for the way that we are, and you know, like so, it's an interesting thing, and I believe that um, it's a we're, we're at a pivotal point in um, in just time and history where women, as we take our rightful place in the kingdom, which is not above men, it's not a feminist view. <laughs> it's not a feminist view that like women are better. It is a it is a congruency that there is ultimate equality between men and women, and that God designed us to work complementary to each other and to partner with each other. And I've been married for over twenty years, and I will tell you, me and my husband are not the same. But because of our differences, it has created. I have become a much better person because of the fact that we are different and you know you begin to shape each other and i believe that that's by design if we were both the same right um it it it's not you don't have the same opportunity for growth and depth and really um you know creating i believe a balanced home as well i mean just yeah. we could go into a whole conversation about child rearing and all of that where you know there it's it's a beautiful thing to have the balance you know, of different, of the different roles. And, and it doesn't have to be the specific role, like the woman stays home and, you know, whatever. I don't, it, that's bunk because there are plenty, there are men who would actually really, really thrive in the home environment, you know, handling the finances and the woman's making the money, but they're taking care there. It doesn't, that doesn't matter to me necessarily. Cause I think that's antiquated. And people should be able to do whatever, wherever they feel called to do it. Um, but that is that doesn't limit women. Men are not limited. Men could stay home or they could work. They could lead in the church or not. But the world has told women that we are limited. We're limited in what we can do. Now, it is difficult to have it all. I will tell you, at, you know, now that all my children are out of the house, it's very difficult, which is why I have made career choices that allowed me the ability to, you know, have it all. <laughs> and, and I was able to, you know, really create a wildly successful multiple seven figure career at home. And my third child, who's 20 now, I was home her entire life from the time that she was two and a half, her entire life. I love that so much. I love that you brought up the church too, because that is something that I know, like I've dealt with personally too, is that, you know, um, we left a church like a year ago because they were like, there's no place for women leadership. There's no place for a women's ministry, all of these things. And so I would love to know, like, how do you feel like churches could better support and equip female leadership to maximize like potential in the community? Yeah. Um, I'm lucky I have gone to a church that has really celebrated women and brought them into the fold, like having women pastors speak in front of the congregation. And I will tell you, it took years before the congregation would accept it. Mm. Um, they ha It was a slow burn. You saw um, him kind of bringing women in more, um, like like partner teaching from the pulpit and different things until they finally had you know the first like woman led, um, you know, Sunday service, but it took a long time because people, you almost have to undo some of this religious bunk. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I think in general, you know, what's interesting about specifically like women in the church, 
women aren't allowed in a lot of churches still to be in a leadership role. They're they're allowed to be in kind of these um, supportive roles or like subservient roles or whatever. But yet in almost every church, there's probably 10 to 1 um, Bible studies and ministries within the church for women versus men. Yeah. So if that's the case, women are getting much more fellowship and much more teaching than the men, but yet not allowed to actually teach. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Oh my gosh, yeah, a whole different thing. Um, but you know, um, I think that it very much depends denominationally on the on the ch- on the church that you're going to, where their stance is, and it's kind of almost considered progressive, like a progressive ch- Christian church to allow women in the front. And even people in my own family who are, you know, have been believers their whole life are uncomfortable hearing women pastors. Isn't it funny? That is so funny. I, d- when I don't you, I, When you're doing all these amazing things, right? Like, well, I'm not a pastor, right? Like right. I, I would have been considered maybe a speaker, but not a pastor. And so, you know, it's kind of an undoing of and allowing, you know, and but can I talk about Titus for a second? Do it. So- one of the things that I think the church has really gotten wrong and that believers have gotten wrong is reading the Bible with zero investigation, with zero context, with zero understanding. You could pick up some of my notes. I have books and books of notes over the years. And I would you could maybe read a little side note or something that I wrote. And if you if you took it at exactly what it was without knowing where I was. Like actually, where was I when I was listening? Who said it? What was the context in what they said? You could literally decipher almost any meaning from what I said and and make it fit whatever you wanted it to fit. Uh, When you look at specifically the New Testament and all the different books, um, there were basically two groups of people that were being spoken to at any given time. It was the Jews and the Greeks, right? It was people that were had grown up in the Jewish faith under the law, which were, what is there, 600 some laws that they lived under, which let's not even go there, how that's not even a way to live. And then you had this kind of Greek uh, free for all, (laughs) just (laughs) please myself. Everything is about making me happy. I mean, you couldn't get to two opposite sides of a belief system as those two groups of people. And then Jesus comes, he's like, Hey, we're all under one banner. We're all the same. You think there wasn't infighting? We think there's infighting now. Can you imagine? You're mm-hmm. talking about, and you know, the, you couldn't even be a follow God unless you did all these things. And now Jesus is like, Hey, they can come. <laughs> They're yeah. like, no, they can't. They didn't do all these things. They didn't get circumcised. They didn't do this. They didn't do all the things specifically in Titus. Um, they were speaking to the Greeks and Greek had made gr- the Greeks had women that they worshiped like goddesses that they worshiped. So if he was speaking specifically to, to this culture that had created deity out of women, then you had to speak to them completely different than you spoke to this group of people, right? Who didn't let women do anything. Right. So I believe oftentimes in the Bible and Jesus did it a lot. He said one thing in this verse, two chapters later, he said something that seemed almost the polar opposite. And people are like, the Bible's confusing at face value. Of course it is. But if you actually like study 
Now, I'm not talking about doing a Bible study. I'm talking about studying the Bible. That's two mm-hmm. different things. Then you would understand. It would make so much. It makes so much more sense to you. Oh well, it makes sense of why in Titus they're speaking like this and saying this specifically. They were like, "Listen, you're not to worship women. Women are not over men. Women are equal. We're equal." And so he was speaking specifically to a group of people based on the culture that they were coming from and the way that they um, were interacting with women at that time. I love that so much. I always tell people too, like Titus doesn't limit us either. Like, no, we're in that passage. Is it like, this is the only thing women are capable of? I don't think it says that anywhere in the Bible at all. Nope. <laughs> nope. I've yet to find it. And if somebody does, please leave it, you know, for us so we can see that in context because I mean, you're the, you're the one you have studied scripture in school and you're the one that knows um, way more even than I do at all of the cultural context and, uh, you know, way more. I'm sure you've read tons of um, opposing uh, commentaries on the verses and all of that. So I would love to hear your take. Yeah, I, I'm going to do a whole episode on Titus because this is just such an intense topic for people. But I always tell somebody- And it's like, like a tiny book. It's so tiny. It's so tiny. Um, but I always tell people, don't just take like my interpretation of scripture, right? Like exactly. do an inductive study method, right? And if you guys don't know what that is, we can also talk about that. I've got resources for you on how to do an inductive method. But it's asking these like who, what, when, where, why questions, right? And getting to the context of who somebody is actually speaking to and what the purpose is. And I love doing that. I'm a nerd. And I've got like um, another thing I always recommend people get to is like a concordance. I wish I had mine sitting on my desk. But mine has like 4,000 topics that are in the Bible and then lists every single verse about it so you can see it and a holistic view of what God actually is saying. That's awesome. And that I think is really beautiful. I recommend everybody have one. If you don't have one, Michelle, I'm going to send it to your house. I don't have a concordance, but I um, I use like blueletterbible.org. Yep. Um, I I use and I dive in, and I have just in my in my own home, I have a couple of different versions of the Bible, and I love to do that too. Yes. Um, and 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 I read um, opposing um, commentaries. I think that I want to, you know. And all of these things, and I rely wholly on what I feel that the Holy Spirit is speaking directly to me. Mm. That I think is really special. <laughs> like I feel like you're always so in tune with where God's leading you. I think that if if we trusted what He is impressing on us more, then more people would be. Um, but you know, unfortunately, for most human beings, we have um, these neural pathways from childhood and experiences that speak very, very loudly to us that actually um, get in the way of us being able to trust the things that we hear in our spirit from from the Lord, you know, the impressions of the Holy Spirit. And so the work of our lives is to get rid of those so that we like open up the ear canal to be able to, to hear. And, and I don't, I also, one place that I've gotten now in my walk, um, as a leader, especially is that I don't, I'm not, I'm so, um, humble in my belief to think that because the Lord has spoken something to me and I believe it passionately 
that does not mean that you are going to. And it doesn't make you wrong that you don't. And it doesn't make me wrong that I don't because the, it is a journey. It is a journey that is the, the, the length of our lives while we're here on earth. And, you know, I believe that Christians are really, really good at saying, no, 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 you're in the wrong, you're on the wrong journey. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. I hear that all the time too. Um, which is why I always tell people, don't take my interpretation of scripture. I take it to the Lord, right? Like he'll confirm truth to you every single time. Yes. Um, and so I love it too. In the beginning, you talked about needing a mentor, right? And the Bible talks about discipleship all all over the place. And I would love to know like what type of mentorship or what does mentorship look like for female leaders in the kingdom, in your yeah. opinion? Uh, like I said, I really struggled. I was sad. And um, part of it was because I felt that I needed somebody who represented um, all the things that I wanted to become, right? I think you know, the call of motherhood is the most amazing, hardest, most rad, most heartbreaking. <laughs> it's all the things. So I was really looking to somebody that, and it's, and it's kind of a crapshoot too. I mean, you know, it, you, your children are their own people. So the way that your children um, develop as adults is and isn't a reflection of you. It's both. So, you know, there was that, that was really because I'm so um, market ministry minded, I was really looking for somebody who had success in the marketplace that I could emulate. It was really difficult for me, but I, I know that God allowed me the ability to um, experience the things that I had experienced in a pure way so that I would be able to um, become the mentor that I wanted. And I think that it's it's way more than you know being really good at posting on social media it's way more than being a good speaker it's way more than just being successful it is a holistic um there are holistic attributes to who you are as a person which is you know the radiant leadership academy which you've gone through now a couple times is the, it's it's the premise for the whole thing i believe that we have believed this um, kind of false idea of what leadership actually is. It's doing. If you're here's five steps to being a great leader, you do this. It's here's five things to say as a leader. You say this, but none of that matters to to me. Just uh, the the way that I view leadership. If when you turn off the camera and when you're sitting in somebody's home, if those things that you said aren't actually who you are, it it negates everything about what you said to me personal on a personal level. And so for me, um, it was it's very important to me that I am the same person all the time on the camera, off the camera, in front of the room, the way that I and with my kids uh, at the dinner table at church, like holistically from from the inside out. And I believe that that is um, harder to find for a number of reasons. Number one, it's hard for people to be transparent. Number two, everybody's on a journey and we all have problems, right? So it's like you then you set this expectation that you have to be perfect in order to lead, and that's not the case. But that there is, um, I believe, I feel very, very accountable to who I am. Um, and so my standard for me is like everything that I do, I do it like I'm like I'm doing it with and for Jesus all the time. And that took a lot of maturity. <laughs> and it took a lot of growth to get there because 
I was self-motivated. I was ego motivated. I was, you know, money motivated. I was all the things that we all are. Um, and you know, God had this beautifully, this beautiful way of breaking me over and over until I kind of got, I got the point. (laughs) I love that. If you guys have not gone through Radiant Leadership Academy, I 10 out of 10 recommend you do get tissues also, um, when you do it, because I, the last, I remember the last call, I full on ugly cried in the last call because of the amount of inside out transformation that occurred. Um, and I know my husband sees it, my kids see it, my friends see it all, you know, cause it, it changed me completely as to who I am. That's just God. If you, if you let him and you do the work, cause it's one thing to kind of like talk about it. All these people I've been loving it's January, 2023. It's what is today? The third, we're only a couple days in and I've been seeing all these people posting their word for the year. And a lot of people have the word that is discipline, but very few people will actually act it out. They'll actually stay committed to being disciplined in any area of, of their lives. Then I think that that's really sad because it, it takes work to grow. It takes work to lead. And, you know, we have another lie. We've believed that, you know, it's too hard. It's not easy enough. If it's not easy, then God's not opening the door. That's a lie. It's such a lie. Oh, yes. I just quoted yesterday. Um, do I have it with me? I do. Luke 1248 is one of the, it's like my verse of the year right now, which is, so I don't know how familiar you are with it. Read it. I'm going to pull it. We're going to end it out. Um, there we go. Got it highlighted. I was sharing it with somebody just yesterday because it spoke to me so much. Um, or no. Yeah. It says, From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. It's from the NIV. So the idea that it's going to be simple to step into leadership in this calling is a lie. It's a lie from the enemy. It's hard. It's it's actually super hard. It's a continual dying of yourself to live in the service of other people. Oftentimes, it feels like at the cost of yourself, um, but it's it's not. It's a it's a true honor. It's a true. Um, it's a very humbling thing to actually sit in the authority seat that we sit in as women and have the privilege of impacting people's lives, um, our children, our spouse you know, the, the women that we are in our friend group. And, um, so I, you know, me, you've heard me say this a hundred times. I'm obsessed with growth. And, um, I used to think it was such a, such a negative thing about me that like, I don't want to read fiction books because I just want to read things that are helping me to continue to grow. Um, and kind of in that, that's kind of my mindset all the time. And, you know, I believe that your biggest, the part of some of your biggest giftings that God gave you are the places that the enemy is going to lie to you the hardest. So I was like, why am I like this for so many years? And now I'm like, I'm happy I'm like that because I'm happy that I, you know, because I know that I can help spur other people into that direction. And it's just, it's an incredible honor to be living in this time right now. I feel that so much. So last question that I have for you today is what would you say, like what's one piece of advice you would give to a woman listening to this who's like, okay, I felt the need to step into leadership. I have something I want to share, but they're afraid to to make that jump or they don't feel equipped to make that jump. 
Mm, good. You shouldn't really feel equipped. I mean, it's like a, it's like a double-edged sword. Um, uh, in, in my, I will tell you that I always feel totally equipped and ill-equipped at the exact same time. Always, mm-hmm. knowing that I have uh, been given some skills to take me to give me part of the puzzle, but it's always only going to be part because when we're truly partnering with God, He is the other part, and without Him. Um, we'll never be able to step fully into anything that he's asking of us as a, as a mother, as a wife, in the marketplace, as a leader. And so I think it's both all the time. And what, one of the things that I see women do, they're, they're too afraid. So like, I'm just waiting. I'm waiting for the next confirmation. I'm waiting for God to open a door. I'm waiting for like, that will never actually happen until you take a step, an action. There's an action, whatever the action is. It might be as small as like telling somebody what you want to do or writing a post or making a phone call or making out a plan. Only you know, only you know. But it always, in my life at least, um, the the next like, okay, have you used this on your phone where you can send a message and it's like blurred out and you have to touch it to um, to make the message appear? No, but I now I'm interested. <laughs> it's on an iPhone. It's like one of the things that you can do. You could send an invisible message where you can see you got the message, but you have to take your finger and you have to you have to touch it and then it appears then it'll go away again. Um, I think it's called invisible ink or something. Um, but I feel like that is how, like, there's a message there. there. The next step is there, but it doesn't appear until there's an action taken on your side. This is where faith comes into play. Like it, it's all about faith. You will always have a level of feeling ill-equipped because that's what faith requires of you to actually take a step without seeing the where your foot is going to land to trust that that God is going to show up um and you know illuminate the next thing for you or or fill in the gaps where you don't you're you're ill equipped or provide where you don't have a resource it, without knowing that that's actually that's how it actually works <laughs> that's actually how it works doesn't work any other way it's you could come up with a business plan and you can have all these things planned out and wait and wait until the perfect moment and you will never activate the supernatural power of God if that's what's happening but if you want to operate in in the kingdom if you want to operate in your full authority the authority of being a daughter of the king it's required of you to take steps terrified to to move out into action without knowing the the rest of the way um, it's required of you. Wow. I love that. That is such a beautiful way to end this episode. Michelle, I feel like you're going to have to come back because there's so many things that we could talk about forever. I so love and appreciate you being here. I know that the women listening to this, I hope they were taking notes because you dropped a lot of really incredible truth bombs for for some women. And just thank you for being you. Well, I love you. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for being you and for being such a conduit for so many other people. And um, I know this is going to be a remarkable year for you and your family. So thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the Milk and Honey with Lemon podcast. I am so grateful you were here. I hope this episode has helped you move from feelings of doubt and uncertainty towards stepping confidently into your God-given leadership role, fully equipped with biblical wisdom. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a second to rate and review. Each review helps us to reach and inspire more Christian women leaders just like you. Don't forget to share your takeaways, post it on Instagram, tag me anywhere you're on social media, and I'll see you next week.